Cam. Tell them about it. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Jeez, who am I kidding? Maybe I'm not Mace. And uh, maybe I've got a better chance of doing a good job podcasting than I have rapping. But anyway, hopefully you get my sentiment. Listen to this. Did you know that adults with lower working class parents are three times, yes, three times more likely to stay in a working class occupation themselves compared to those with higher professional parents? Achieving social mobility might seem like an uphill battle with systemic underrepresentation at all levels of our society. My question to you is, are you waiting for equity or equality of opportunity for you to fulfill your potential. Well, listen here, my friend, life just isn't fair. And if you are waiting for that, it could be a very, very long time. This is Yam, your host of the Black Sherpa podcast. And in the little spare time I have, I'm committed to sharing powerful stories and actionable advice on the pathways to social mobility, personal development and career progression. Since our last episode, I've reflected on what the Black Sherpa stands for. I've distilled it down to four values that I hope resonate with you. The first is self-empowerment. Help yourself and help yourself first. Take the time to understand how to succeed and what is really valued in your environment. And when the time comes along, shoot your shot. The second is continuous learning. Embrace a growth mindset. Learn with purpose and be ready to adapt to changes in your environment. And just know it's not going to be a straight line or an easy road. Failure is a stepping stone to your future success. The third is really important to me, and that's all about the power of one. Each of us, all of us, you, hold transformative potential within your soul. Never, ever underestimate the potential positive impact of a single person with passion, purpose and resilience. So to make sure that you can realise that potential, make sure that you play to your strengths. And the last one is about community. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Don't hesitate to seek help. Take every opportunity to pay it forward and take the time to nurture and build positive relationships because they really do matter. Now let's revisit some memorable moments from season one of the Black Sherpa podcast. And the first one I wanted to take a look at is our friend Charlotte Moraine. She's the type of person that lights up every single room and you know what? That positive energy she has is infectious and things just seem to get done as a result of her being around. And in this particular clip from episode two from season one, she emphasises the importance of equity over equality. Charlotte, tell us why equality of opportunity is essential. Yeah, I think this is a really important question. Although, uh, as I think about it, I sometimes sort of swing a bit between whether I believe in equality of opportunity or equity of opportunity, because I think that different groups and I think of myself as, uh, you know, a woman who has, you know, tried to tread, you know, the the career path and especially, you know, with some of that context of having a background that has has probably set me up for you know, I talk about putting on that armor and definitely at early parts of my career, I, you know, I learned some lessons about, you know, th- you know, don't be too brash, don't be too bullish. There's, there's lots of like, don't be too X. And I think there's certain feedback that a, a women in business might get about adjusting your veneer and adjusting how you come across that I've sometimes noticed that my male colleagues weren't getting. And I think that's probably just one example of how equity of opportunity for me an equity of opportunity for women means 
figuring out what other barriers do we need to remove in order for those women to even know that the opportunity is there in the first place? Like how much louder do you need to speak to women so that they feel like they've got the, the means, the courage, the tools, the skills, or anything you might need to be able to take advantage of an opportunity? Because the opportunity is just a door. You still have to have the talent and the skills to be able to walk through it and achieve your goal it needs to be equitable and in doing that it means you probably need to make those opportunities for more visible to people who might not naturally know that they're there you need to make them more easily accessible and attainable so I think a lot of that is about communication it's about outreach I think that's one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of what you're trying to do with this podcast because I think you're trying to create more equity of opportunity for people who might have trodden different paths who have maybe gone into their career from different perspectives and you're doing something proactive to make it a little bit easier for them to know what's out there to demystify some of the things that maybe are confusing certain people and and the more we do that the closer we will get to a utopia where equality of opportunity is what we're talking about because it will be less about equity and it'll be a more level playing field then it's more equal and then it's like let's go survival of the fittest may the best man woman or you know other uh, gender as you identify win wow what an insight and i've got to tell you actually listening to charlotte's response to that question completely changed my setup for future podcasts and i changed that question which actually sets up a big part of uh, every single conversation instead of focusing on a quality of opportunity i've really started to look at the importance of equity of opportunity in my second clip i'd like to share we go back to our very first episode which was with my good friend tim phillips or you may well know him if you've listened as the social chameleon and he shares some positives that he's taking from not fitting in during his early days his ability to turn negatives into positives is truly inspiring check this out absolutely so 10 year old me wasn't bald that's a good start he had a big head of curly hair and part of that is because you know, i am the son of a first generation immigrant from the caribbean so my dad was born in Trinidad and tobago and emigrated here when he was 19 uh, and married a woman from yorkshire so i think i've got a little bit of uh, her skin tone but not her accent uh, but young young 10 year old me was racked with insecurity. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise potentially for some of your uh, your uh, listeners that uh, people of mixed heritage backgrounds tend not to feel like they fit in anywhere. They fit in in more than one place, but also feel like they don't fit in at all. And I've struggled with that throughout my life and continue to do so in some aspects. But at, at 10 years old, that manifested itself in uncertainty about who I was, uh, this desperate desire to fit in. And at 10, my parents had made the decision to move us out of London and down to rural Kent. So from one more diverse area to one area where I think my dad might have been only the only black person in the town, for example, in the, in the oh. early 80s, right? So for the, the late 80s. And so I was desperate to fit in and I was really unable to see that diversity was a strength rather than a potential challenge or obstacle for me. I found that really difficult growing up. I know my sister found that difficult growing up. Uh, not because I think I faced any ostensible, really visible discrimination against me, but because I felt I wasn't what was necessarily what was expected in the area. And as I say, I think that's manifested itself through some of my behaviours and actions and activities throughout my career. We all learn from those experiences, right? But uh, I like to think now that I have an opportunity to help people see that it's a blessing 
not a curse. Now, Tim Phillip, the the not so curly haired guy, um, sits across the uh, microphone for me, looking great, all the same. What three words would your closest friends use to describe you now? It's really easy, Gammon. It's almost a bit of a, a joke amongst my friends. They call me the the social chameleon. <laughs> and the reason I use that is because it speaks to something I spoke to about trying to fit in, which manifests itself still with who I am. But I'm tried to turn it into a positive and that those skills, if you could call it that, where you don't necessarily feel like you fit in and you're trying to adapt to the situations and scenarios around you, that wasn't necessarily positive behaviour growing up, but I've turned it on its head to be an attribute that I think has served me well throughout my professional career, that you can put me in any country with any mix of people and I'll be able to find similarities and bond, but also to recognise and celebrate the differences amongst us and use those for the power of the group. And you know, you, you know I'm a big sports fan. You work, you're, rep, you're repping my favourite team's colours right now. Big believer in the power of the team is better than the sum of its parts, right? And that the contributing factor to that is being able to understand where you're similar and how that multiplies, but also recognise where you're different and maximising that across a group. So the social chameleon has a bit of a tongue-in-cheek angle to it, as three words to describe me some negative connotations potentially historically but genuinely optimistic person that i am can turn almost any negative into a positive if you think about it and there is tim phillips the social chameleon it's not easy not to feel like you fit in but again hopefully you can take from what he shared there that there's potential benefits that can come a little bit further down the way and that whole mindset of being able to give a very different perspective in our corporate environments can really be a selling point of you as an individual and how you can offer value in comparison to somebody else. If you listen to the full episode, he actually gives some really great insights of his career progression. He's now a a very senior leader within the pharmaceutical field, but he had a lot of challenges to get that first chance at that senior level of the organisation. And he talks about the power of value of feedback, being able to fuel your progression. He also gives a really nice example of how you can share feedback in a way that's really impactful to those that are seeking it from you as well. In clip number three, we share another moment from Charlotte's conversation where we explore why we fear making mistakes mistakes drawing from Brené brown's wisdom we delve into the difference between guilt and shame when we make mistakes listen to this if we learn from our mistakes why are we so afraid to make them we feel ashamed i think we feel ashamed of our mistakes i've, I've been reading a book called atlas of the heart by Brené brown and not for the first time you'll, you'll hear me talk a little bit about why i'm such a fan of Brené brown but she does a really good job of helping people understand with much more specificity the differences between some emotions that we might confuse Um, and one of them is the difference between shame and guilt guilt is I you know I did something bad shame is I am bad and often when we make mistakes we can internalize that as something that's fundamentally wrong with us and we feel shame and, and shame just can be one of the most debilitating emotions that can hold us back from so much and if if one simple change that we made actually was to reflect on a on a mistake or reflect on something that we've done that we might have done differently or we might have hoped that we'd done differently first of all ask yourself is there something you can learn from it because if there is it wasn't a mistake to begin with it's just it was a teaching moment you should be grateful for it but if you start to feel your sense of beating yourself up just remind yourself guilt I did something bad shame I am bad and try and reframe your reaction to that as guilt because guilt will always pass and shame won't serve any of us so just you know try and 
feel a little bit less shame. And if you have to feel anything, then feel the guilt, but the guilt will pass. So we talked about continuous learning as, as one of these key values and actually making mistakes is a critical part of our process. And we're not here to say make frivolous or silly mistakes, but actually know that make those mistakes once, learn from them and don't make the same mistake twice. If you can have the mindset that allows you to negate whatever shame you might feel in making those mistakes to ensure that we could take positives from those experiences can be a really powerful thing to keep in mind. In the final clip that I want to share with you today, we go to episode five with one of my best friends, Ryan Scott, and he shares lessons from a really challenging time in his life that compromised his mental health. These experiences helped shape him into an effective, empathetic and visionary leader. But actually, I think one of the most powerful things from this conversation is gave me an opportunity to get an insight into one of my best friends that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to get if it wasn't for this podcast. Gave us the space and time to have a very long overdue conversation about a challenging time in his life. Listen to this. Has there ever been a time where your own mental health or well-being has been um, compromised by the work that you do? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, I mean, this is this is kind of worms type of type of territory, isn't it? And and I think, you know, being being friends, you know, the the, the kind of the, the the battles that 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 from time to time that, that I've had to kind of go through, which was, you know, you talked earlier about having children and that that kind of impact on an individual, and this is why. I'm so passionate about not judging situations and individuals yeah. because if somebody, you know, when I had my first child, um, it was, it was just my, my, my brain exploded. <laughs> you know, I was alpha male, did what I wanted, went out when I wanted, drove whatever car I wanted. I did, you know, I had a flat in the nicest, not, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to sound grandiose, but you know, that was the reality. You had a nice self. Um, you were doing all right. I had a nice self. Yeah, I, didn't, I did. I mean, I, said, I wasn't showy or anything like that, but I had a nice, I was all right. You know, I had golf membership. I did this, I did that, you know, I was, just did what I wanted. It was great. Um, I had a child. Brain just went into like scrambled egg. Did not know how what responsibility was i had a you know a, a wife at home who was in the same spot you know we were living the same life she she you know struggled for initially and and suffered you know some kind of you know probably six months of kind of postnatal depression and that was my first experience with mental health as an individual i'd never seen it before i'd never experienced it it was just you know it was somebody else's problem not mine so that was scary and then i think that overwhelming sense of responsibility that came with being a parent and being a managing director was just too much. <laughs> Composure. Um, what I'm thinking is, is like, just give me a minute. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> what I'm thinking is that... Um, that that was probably you know probably the most scared I think I've ever been in you know my, you know uh, all I could see was this is going to come tumbling down that's all I could see I could see I was an MD I was a dad and I couldn't do either because I couldn't control anything so that that sense of control that sense of I guess free will had gone and all I could see was catastrophe I'm going to lose this because mentally I just cannot do this I'm tired I'm exhausted I'd experienced anxiety for the 
first time in my life, you know, I was I'd catastrophizing. I was, you know, it was it was so hard to 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 balance the two responsibilities that I, all I could see was 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 the end. Like this is the you know this is this is ugh, no I need to walk away from this. Can't do either. Now, fortunately, that's the, the the great thing about mental health and these types of they're impermanent, aren't they? They're not. You know, it's a it's a chemical imbalance. It's an emotional reaction. It's tiredness. It's this. You know, there's so many things that um, that cause these outcomes. Now, I was really fortunate because I had the means, both financially and a supportive workplace, to get sorted, for want of a better term. So I could I had the time, the space. I could go to you know see therapists. I could I could access great facilities or whatever the case may be you know and, and i've never missed a day and I'd never missed a day's work over that entire period for maybe years to be honest with you you know it's, again they're not things that just go away overnight um and i'm still scarred by it you know clearly today you know it's something that i accept and it's something that i'm unashamed of but it's still very raw and I think that's probably going to be the case for a long, 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 long time. Because again, when I sit, you know, it doesn't take a genius to make the leap, which is I'm very passionate about that because I know how bad it can be. Yeah. And therefore, how can you judge? I mean, what a righteous idiot I would be if I judged an individual having having a period of my life where it was like this is at work. This is just like. <laughs> explosion explosion every day so yeah and in i think that that overwhelmness which i think came through in covid not with not with me as i said i think because of my experience i could manage that situation really well so i could look at it and go i know what's going to happen here not no i have an inclination that people are going to get overwhelmed and when they get overwhelmed they're going to have these types of emotions because I've been overwhelmed and I had these types of emotions. Therefore, how do I set this up to limit those emotions or the impact of those emotions? You can't limit the emotion itself, but the impact. And I think that's why, and I think that was really around that kind of fairness, openness, equity, all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, I think mental health in the workplace for me is, is, is a raw subject. It's something that I'm really passionate about. It's something I'd love to, to you know when i have more time in the future because i don't have the time at the moment but certainly find the time to you know to to, to help educate and, and help people i you know i think i'd love to do that because i you know it, it, i i'm not going to sit here and say no i don't know what you're about mate yeah no, I'm, I'm i'm robust i'm resilient i'm a ceo of a big business whatever it's like that's an absolute lie <laughs> And and you know I'm I, I'm today sat here today you know I'm I'm really really fortunate you know I'm I'm feeling great um, but there was a period of time when that was not the case at all. So Charlotte and Brené Brown talk about vulnerability and leadership, and I think Ryan 
was a shining example of how powerful that vulnerability can be. And it was a humbling conversation, as I said earlier on, because actually it helped me think differently about how do I show up for conversations with the people that I love most in real life? How do I make sure they get the same type of attention that I give the conversations of this podcast, where I give every inch of my soul to make sure that I'm listening and ready to ask the questions that you, my listener, wants to hear the answer to? How do I make sure I give the people I love the most the same level of attention? And that's something I think we can all think about. Season one brought eight episodes filled with value and insight. And if you like what you've heard in today's episode, I encourage you to go back and delve deeper into the other content that we have in season one. Recording this podcast has truly been a privilege, thanks to the many people that have trusted me to share their stories. And now I'm thrilled to announce in season two, we have a new set of brilliant guests ready to pay forward their experiences. Remember our fourth value, community. If you gain something from the Black Sherpa, help us grow in season two. Subscribe, rate, review and share episodes with those that might benefit. Let's make season two a season of growth together. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for more of the Black Sherpa podcast. Let's get it.